Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about following Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And it's primarily for our church, Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa and Moline, Illinois. But if you're listening from outside our area, hey, God bless. We love you. Hopefully it's a benefit to you. And this segment of our podcast is called Theology for Everyone. We're just slowly working through um, the Westminster Confession of Faith, a very small, um, easy to read. Easy to read is kind of, maybe it's relative because it's, it's a little old, it's got some big words in it, but a pretty small and workable systematic theology to help our people understand the doctrines of the Bible in a very systematic way to help make, and if you, basically the better your systematic theology is, the more fruitful your Bible reading is going to be because mm-hmm. you're going to see how things, doctrines uh, work together collectively in, in, the, in the narrative of, of Scripture. So right now we are in chapter five of Providence. You guys, I've got uh, all three of my residents with me today. I've got Alex, Bryson, and Kevin. Say hi, guys. Hey, hey guys. Guys, have you been um, working through the Westminster Confession, or maybe even just the section on Providence, whatever? What I mean, what are what are your thoughts so far? How, how how have you experienced it? What have you have you have you been enjoying it? Have you found it fruitful? What are what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, my my number one thought is um, it's maybe like an add on. Um, I think for God to be sovereign, for God to have God's providence is one thing, but then for the Christian, there's almost a next step where God is also father. And so that makes his providence, I think even that much better because he's providing as father to his children. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, the last couple of weeks as we've been focusing on providence, I'm like, it's really good news that God has providence. It's even better news that God is father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's interesting. It's going to play into what we're going to read today because the providence of God is different for the Christian. Um, it is a fatherly providence for the Christian. Hmm. But for the outsider, the unbeliever, um, that providence is not fatherly. That father is judicial, or that, that, is, that providence is judicial. Mm-hmm. And so you don't experience God as father. You actually experience God as wrathful. Mm-hmm. And so there is something very special about the providence of God when we look at it through the lens of God as also Father. And definitely when you see him as Father is how gracious he is and how merciful he is. You know, because there's so many of us that have, have had fathers or, you know, have fathers still to this day where, you know, it's not, it hasn't always been that. So, you know, for you to know that you have a father that's gracious to you is, is very loving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just been... Um God's providence isn't uh, a doctrine that I had previously thought about in depth, you know, just kind of, I think, got lumped in with sovereignty. And so it's been good to just stop, you know, slow down and just really look at it and, and kind of see the, the fingerprints around me. It's mm. good. <clears throat> All right. Well, chapter five, we are going to finish up this, seg- this section, this chapter on providence today with Articles 6 and 7. Articles 6 and 7. Article 6 is another one, not surprisingly. Um, it's a dense one. 
Okay, it's a dense one. So here we go. <clears throat> and again, like we just talked about, there's a difference between God being God's providence in the life of an unbeliever and God's providence in the life of a believer. Okay? Here's, here's the difference. As for those wicked and ungodly men whom God, as a righteous judge for former sins doth blind and harden. From them he not only withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understandings and wrought upon in their hearts, but sometimes also withdraweth the gifts which they had and exposeth them to such objects as their corruption makes occasion of sin and withal gives them over to their own lusts, mm. the temptations of the world, and the power of Satan, whereby it comes to pass that they harden themselves even under those means which God uses for the softening of others. Mm. So right here, there are two classes of people in the world. There are those in Christ who can call God Father because of the work of Jesus done on the cross. Mm. And there are those outside of Christ who see God only as a fearful and judge, mm. fearful judge, okay? So how does God's providence work in that latter group of people, those who are outside of Christ and they are not elect. As for those wicked and ungodly men whom God as a righteous judge for former sins. So again, this is not God being guilty of doing something wrong here. God is responding to people who have already sinned, mm. right? They've already broken covenant. They've already broken commandments, yeah. right? What he's doing he doth blind and harden. Do we have a verse for that? Yeah, Romans 1. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impu impurity, to the dishonor dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. So God gives them up to the lusts of their own heart and hardens them uh, because of their idolatry, because they worship something other than God. So he does blind, doth blind and harden. So we also have God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And it's interesting, you read Exodus, you can go back and listen to our sermon series on Exodus. God hardens Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh also hardens his heart. You have it both happening. Again, the doctrine of concurrence, first and second causes. Mm. God hardens Pharaoh cause, Pharaoh's heart, but Pharaoh hardens Pharaoh's heart as well. Yeah. First and second causes. God's, the doctrine of concurrence, that God's providence works through him as primary cause and people as secondary cause. Both of them are true at the same time. Mm. Okay? Yeah. I think also in that, like, God hardening people's hearts doesn't always result in plagues of water turning to blood and 
firstborn sons dying. Um, I think maybe I even heard Matt Chandler say, like, a lot of times you're going to be really successful in the thing that God gave you up for. Like, you you reap the fruit of that idol. It's like if it's your bank account, maybe your bank account's looking really nice. And I think part of God's judgment and wrath in that is, like, you think God's blessing you when that's not what's happening. Mm, you're just getting the fruit of worshiping your idol. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah for sure. I think the, the sign of a hard heart is just a hardness to the things of God. You're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're not aware of your own sin in such a way that it grieves you and you turn and you see the pearl of great price. You see that Jesus is worth more than all the money that you've got in your bank account. Mm. It's the rich young ruler, right, mm. who says he walks away sad from Jesus when Jesus says, just give up all your money and give it to the poor and then come follow me. That was the best news in the universe. You could be one of my disciples, Maybe he was going to have, maybe he would have took, taken the place of Judas. That was the betrayer. Mm. And he could have, the rich young ruler could have been mm. in, the, in, in the first pack of the disciples. But he's like, nah, I like my money. Mm. And he walks away sad. That's evidence of a blind person and a hard heart. Mm. You don't see your salvation and your savior as greater than your crap on this earth. You're blind and you're hardened. Yeah, that's that's a, and that's a very scary place to be. He says this: from them he not only withholdeth withholdeth his grace, whereby they might have been enlightened in their understandings and wrought upon in their hearts. So one of the things God does in hardening people's hearts is withholds his grace from them, mm. his sovereign grace that comes at us and saves us and opens our eyes to see our need for him and opens our heart to receive the love of God and brings about repentance in our heart. All of that stuff that happens before we do anything, God withholds that from some people. Do we have a verse for that, 22? Yeah, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 4. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. And this is good to hear for all parents and pe- mission or community leaders, people we're discipling that if somebody has a hardened heart and a blind understanding, we can't just tell them to try harder, right? Maybe God has not given them a heart to understand Mm. or ears to hear or eyes to see. And so we need to cry out to God for that, to do the work that we can't do and they can't do in themselves. So not only does he withhold grace, but sometimes also withdraweth the gifts which they had. Where's, where are we at? Matthew twenty five twenty nine, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Mm-hmm. Okay. And exposeth, exposeth them to such objects as their corruption makes occasion of sin. 24. You got a scripture for that one? Yeah, it's Deuteronomy 2.30. King of Heshbon, what not let 
us pass by him. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart abstain, that he might give him into your hand as he is this day. Okay, so God hardens his heart in order to give him up, basically, in order to bring about his ruin and Mm -hmm. his failure. So... And same thing, we could say the same thing about Pharaoh that we had just mentioned before. God hardened Pharaoh's heart in order to show his own weakness, mm-hmm. right? In order to show that his power is a lesser power than God's power. Yeah. So we're talking about sometimes that God doesn't just withhold grace from people, mm-hmm. but he actually brings about their ruin. Mm-hmm. He yeah. brings about their destruction through their own corruption and sin. We, we could say too. Yeah. And with all gives them over to their own lusts, the temptations of the world and the power of Satan. Got a scripture for that one? Yeah, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Uh, and with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Ooh. Mm. Read that one again. Yeah. Read it like a preacher this time. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Wow. <laughs> Freeze that back. Bro, if you don't know what that means, this is pastoral residency 101. You better okay. read that all like right. a preacher. Let's see. Baptist preacher. <laughs> all right. And with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I didn't tap into my southern preacher roots. Well, you didn't. We don't need a ha. We don't need any of that. Wow. But, but we, you, it was better. It was better than the first time. You know what I mean? You got to read it like you like it, bro. You got to read it like it's truth. You got to read it like it's hot, like it's fresh off out of the oven. All right. So God sends them a strong delusion because of their own sin. And let me let me see the let me see your scripture. Because I can't I, I can't follow I can't follow that that very well. That was um Second Thessalonians 10 and 11. Read it like yeah. a preacher. Two, two, you want me to read it like, <laughs> read a, preacher? like a preacher? <laughs> <clears throat> that was 2, 10 for 11? 10, 10 through 11? 12. 10 through 12, okay. This is how a preacher reads it, bro. <clears throat> yes, sir. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Okay, so here's what's happening. They refused to love the truth. They rejected the truth, mm. so they're, they're not, if, if you, you have to love the truth of the gospel in order to be saved, right? Yeah. Therefore, because they didn't do that, God sends them a strong delusion. So he makes them worse than they already were. Mm. He makes them dumber than they were already. He makes them more ignorant than they were before, more hardened than they were before. Mm-hmm. They were already in their sin. They were already, now they're even more deluded or mm. delusional. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Oh, boy. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Mm. 
Mm. So he's doubling down their stupidity. Through his providence, mm. he's allowing some people who reject the truth to look even dumber, to follow in their foolish ways, to be more delusional, and he allows them to do it in order for them to be condemned for their own sin, mm. okay? So again, we see God as a righteous judge. He's allowing them to get worse and worse and worse. He's allowing them to reap what they sowed and reap really hellfire, yeah. <clears throat> okay? Whereby it comes to pass that they harden themselves. Again, we see concurrence. They're working too. Even under those means which God useth for the softening of others. So the things that come into their life that if you were converted, if you had the grace of God, would bring about repentance, it actually brings out a more hardened, it hardens their heart even more. Mm-hmm. So they're caught in some sin, they double down on their sin instead of repenting, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> they get even more arrogant. They get even more proud. Mm-hmm. They, they resist God even more, right? What would bring a repentance and softening to the heart of a child of God actually brings a deeper hardening and rebellion mm. to the heart of someone who's outside of Christ. Mm. Got a scripture for that? Isaiah? Yes, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Again, speaking, that, and that's a prophecy pointing towards Jesus, that Jesus is the 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 trip rock there. He is the stumbling stone. He is the rock of offense that he, many people get around Jesus and they hate him. What causes me to love Jesus is the grace of God in my heart. And so when I sin, I want to run to Jesus and bring my sin to him and receive grace from, from him. But if, I'm, if I don't have that grace from God, that sovereign grace that comes to my heart, actually my own sin wants me to run from Jesus, mm. causes me to trip over Jesus. Mm. I, don't find, I don't want Jesus at all. I don't like Jesus. I don't love Jesus. I don't think he's helpful. I don't think he's good. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And so Jesus is a cause of great offense. And ultimately, when I get to the throne of God, that's what I'm judged on. Did you run away from Jesus? Did you harden your heart to Jesus? Did you not find Jesus beautiful and kind and gracious? Mm. Um, And that's rejecting the gospel, right? That's rejecting the gospel. And for anyone who rejects the gospel and trips over Jesus and can't accept who they are and who Jesus is, will not inherit eternal life Mm. and will go to hell for Mm. all eternity. That's, they will stand before God, not as father, but as righteous judge. And God, in his providence, orders, sustains, governs all of this for his own glory. Article 7. As the providence of God doth in general reach to all creatures, so after a most special manner it taketh care of his church and disposeth all things to the good thereof. So that's kind of where we started this podcast today. 
is God is providential overall. He's providential over the birds, the inanimate objects, the mountains and rivers and rocks. He's providential over the fish of the sea. He's providential over the ungodly and the godly, Mm. the righteous and the unrighteous. And yet those two groups of humanity experience God in distinctly different ways. Those in Christ experience God as a gracious and kind father working all things for their good in the church. So God gives us pastors. That's what he says. God gives us gifts when he's talking about pastors. He's talking about preachers. He's talking about ministers. He's talking about even, I would say, deacons and missional community leaders. Mm. God gives us these things from his kind and providential hand. And it's for our good. And so he's ordering his church for your good and for his glory. It is a very rare thing today For, I'm going to say a couple things here. It's a very rare thing today to have a good, godly, gospel-centered pastor. Mm. I'm not saying perfect. It's a rare thing. It's an even rarer thing for a Christian to be thankful <laughs> for the pastors that God has put in their life providentially. I think we all have kind of an inward flaw-o-matic. You know, they griped at Paul. They griped at Peter. They griped at Jesus. Like, human beings never recognize. We, we have a tendency to never recognize the godly leaders that we have until they're gone. Mm. And then we're like, oh, actually, this guy is way worse than that guy, you know, or, or whatever. And so I think, um, I think we should be reminded of that. We should be reminded that that God's providence is the one giving us our pastors. And if you some somehow people, some kind of people think that they, you know, there's no good pastors, so I'm going to stay home and just worship by myself or something. Unless you're in some third world country or something, uh, that I just don't see that very rarely. There's usually a pastor who's godly and gospel-centered, might not be a phenomenal preacher, might not be that gifted, but he's, he's gifted by the Lord in a, in a certain way, and you should go sit under him and accept that from the providential hand of God. Mm. Maybe just to humble you. Maybe just to humble you. Um, Preaching week in and week out is incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging. On top of having a family, on top of leading in other areas and leading what feels like a business half the time with you got to make budget and you got to pay the bills and you got to hire people and fire people and you got to make good decisions and find buildings and get the walk shoveled and get the all the stuff that you've got to do. 
being a pat, and then in, in the midst of 21st century culture and American culture, it's incredibly difficult and oftentimes not rewarding. And the only people who should ever do it are the are the people who can't do anything else. Mm. Now I don't mean they can't because they're not talented enough. I mean they can't because God won't let them. Like Jeremiah, the preaching of the word of God is like fire shut up in their bones. And they can't not do it. Mm-hmm. They have to do it. Mm-hmm. The only people who should be in the ministry are those who would be disobeying God to do anything else. So it's really difficult and nobody does it perfect. And some of the worst things you can do as a church member is to compare your pastor to some guy you look you find on the internet that you like better. <clears throat> In fact, I think some of the most detrimental th- things going on in the body of Christ right now is people who like a different preacher more than they like their own preacher. Mm. I think the Apostle Paul would rebuke them for that. And, and I'm saying that as, like, I love Tim Keller, and I like other guys. I like listening to their preaching. Um, it's not that we don't find it beneficial. It's that there's something disconnected about watching an online preacher. That preacher doesn't know you. That preacher is in a different city, a different culture, a different context. That's, and you don't know them. They don't know you. And so they, they can be blessing you in some ways, but they can all, what you don't realize is what's going on is your heart is becoming more and more disconnected from your pastor. And he's the one responsible to shepherd you. Hmm. Tim Keller is not going to be judged before God on where you're at spiritually but your local pastor will be. Mm. And how can your local pastor shepherd you if you're being shepherded primarily by John MacArthur or Tim Keller or John Piper, and those are just some good names, whatever. You could be listening to Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen and whatever the next crazy, heretical, garbage pastor is on the market. So God's providence puts people in churches and puts pastors in churches. And those people are meant to work together to bring about gospel renewal. Mm. And many times I think churches are hurt by church members finding another preacher online that they like better. Mm. And that preacher doesn't know them. That preacher might not be preaching to them. It's literally like, like scripture tells us that people in the end times will, they have itching ears and they'll go find many teachers to tell them what they want to hear. So we've been talking about both and and either or culture. We've been talking about right and left and the way it influences the culture. It's very easy for you to go. If you're leaning on the right politically, it's very easy for you to go to listen to a John MacArthur or Douglas Wilson who are very on the right politically. And you just love everything they say. Just, Guess what? That's probably the worst thing you could possibly do. The best thing for you to probably go do is listen to somebody that's maybe a little more left-leaning. If you're leaning right, you should probably go listen to somebody that's more on the left. But anyways, or you just listen to your pastor and you ask your pastor, Pastor, what do you think about this issue? Where are we at as a church? Your pastor knows what the church needs to hear, right? 
You're not Tim Keller, who, li- who lives in New York City. You're not Eric Mason, who's inner city Philly. You're not John, John MacArthur, who's out on the West Coast, right? You, you're, you're living somewhere differently. So I think that's just a thought that just popped into my head. Hmm. Uh, providence of God over the church, over our pastors, over our deacons. And do you, God never tells us to do something we're going to do automatically. When God says submit to your elders, like we talked about earlier, God never, he doesn't tell a wife uh, to love her husband. He tells a wife to honor her husband, Mm. right? Because it's easy for her to love her husband. He tells a, a father not to be domineering over his children. Why? Because he's probably, he finds it easy to be domineering over his children. When God says, church members, submit to your elders, what he's saying is, your elders are going to do things you don't like, and you should submit to them. He's telling them something they don't want to do. And the providence of God works in that. It works in the elders having to say things sometimes they don't want to have to say and do things they don't want to do. And it works in, it, in, in leading the church Right and, and really just serving the church by leading, by getting up week in and week out and saying what the Bible says and maybe not, not what they say. Um, and not how they lean politically, but they're going to they're preach the Bible. And the providence of God works in the lives of a church member who submits to the elders. And if they have a problem with the elders, they come to the elders. They are willing to send an email to the elders and not gossip with other people about it not talk with their missional community, talk with their friends about it and get people on their side before they bring it to the elders. Or not sending an email to the elders or to the preaching pastor and saying, hey, what did you mean by that when you said that? Instead of assuming that you know their heart, you know what they meant, and they were wrong. So when you say gossiping within the church, what what does that look like? Is that like missional community, um, you know, going down, like instead of going up the ladder, going down the ladder instead of up the ladder? Okay, so your communication structure, that, that, that makes sense. So what, he's, what Alex means by that is gossip is when I take things down the authority structure of the church or of the organization instead of taking them up. So taking an issue up is constructive. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with this or that and the other thing. You take it up, the leadership can deal with it, the leadership can correct you if need be, but if you take it down, you're bringing issues and problems to people who can do nothing else but, but create more problems, right? right? And so that creates division, that can, d- dissensions, and that's called gossip. That's called gossip, right? Matthew 18 tells if you have a problem with your brother, you go to your brother, mm-hmm. right? If there's a problem with the elders, you go to the elders. So, yeah, that, I mean, gossip can happen anywhere. Gossip can happen in your home. Gossip can happen in a missional, missional community in a fight club. Gossip can ha- happen anywhere. You know, and we have to be people who don't entertain gossip and we honor our elders like the Bible tells us to do. And we don't allow people to slander them if they're slandering them. And if somebody has a problem with somebody, they go to their brother and they and they deal with the they deal with the issue. Right. And to not is to not trust the providence of God. Yeah, I was even thinking to not is to participate or contribute to hardening your own heart and <laughs> then you don't even know it's like like um the beams you were talking about it's like 
almost putting a beam in your eye yourself, and then you don't even know it's there anymore. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So, the God, and I've seen God's providence in our church. I've seen God's prov- providentially take care of us 10 years. And even with people that, that leave the church or God cuts people off and God takes people away and God does this, every time he's done that, he's brought more back in. Hmm. To ne- so now, I, I'm always upset when people leave our church. Um, some people I'm not. You know, if they're, if they're like, if they're a, a rebellious person, if they're an obstinate person, then I'm like, thank God, you know, get them out of here. Like just Jesus, Jesus, people ran away from Jesus. As many people ran to Jesus, as just more of them probably ran away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was that kind of polarizing figure. And, and we want to be a church that's serious about Jesus. So if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to be here. But if you don't want to sit here and be lazy and gossip and just, you know, what, we don't want you here. Go somewhere, you know, like go ruin somebody else's church, right? We, we don't want you here. So that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when people don't handle things God's way and they let things fester and then, um, and then they try to get some disgruntled people on their side and then they try to leave the church or something like that. That's frustrating. But every time that's happened with a handful of people, God has brought twice as many healthy people back into our church mm. where now I can say, I trust the Lord. He, he's moving his people around where he wants his people to be. The people that, are, that I'm called to pastor, he will get here and they will be fruitful and they'll multiply and they'll grow. And the people I'm not called to pastor, he'll get them, he'll get them wherever they need to be, mm. right? And that's just trusting the providence of God. All right, guys, well, that's it for Providence. We have worked our way through through chapter five. Next time on Theology for Everyone, we will jump into chapter six, on the fall of man. So that'll be an interesting one. I look forward to talking to you guys. If you have any questions, you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you guys. We love you.